I did homestays when I was living in America. I tried mm -hmm. to track down Japanese families that lived not too Whoa. far for where, mm, from where I was I located. <laughs> um, and I tried to find people who didn't really speak English to live with for a few months at a time, which is a really good experience. Wait, wait. And then I came to Japan. In America you did that? Yes, in Boston. So you just tracked and down families that had moved to America. And exactly. And then you're like, hey, can I live with you? Welcome to the Tofugu Podcast. I'm Koichi. And I'm Michael. I think we had our, well, my favorite interview so far. Yeah, it's a pretty good interview. And I don't want to pick favorites with all my interview sons and daughters, but I think I just did. This, is, this yeah. was a great interview. Well, this is just between us. They'll never hear it. They'll never know. <laughs> I doubt they listen. This is just the parents talking. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we talked to uh, we talked to our favorite interview son, Matthew Chozik. Yeah, he uh, is a TV star in Japan. He's been on TV every week, Japanese TV, since, what was it, 2012? Yeah, 2012. Yeah. And he also writes for the TV show as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah. this is like, this is primetime TV, so not like 2 a.m. in the morning. This is actually a really big show that uh, most Japanese people probably know about. Yeah. You're going to find out what that is and also find out how he got there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you hear like his path to TV stardom mm -hmm. and perhaps you could uh, take some some wisdom from him if you want to become TV stardom. Yeah, he actually offers advice on how to do it yourself. But uh, uh, just a spoiler alert, it, it requires a lot of luck, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and it, doing stuff. It like, also required some Japanese. He's, his Japanese is really good. Yeah. And the way he learned it was super interesting. Um, and it's it's something that we haven't heard so far at all in all of our episodes yeah and i think i think uh, it's very inspirational at least at least for me and for everybody and, and for me uh yeah he also talked about how he got he learned japanese basically for free yeah sounded like he didn't talk in about paying japan for anything too yeah in japan mm -hmm. i'm sure he probably paid like a dollar for something at one point but it was mostly free mm -hmm. for that obachan candy or something yeah um and uh finally we uh, talk about Matthew's favorite bathroom buddy. Yeah. Who's also Japan's biggest star. Uh-huh. We were very jealous of yeah. the person he gets to use the bathroom near. We talked about the bathroom habits of him and this other person a little bit too much, I think. Maybe too much. And I hope Matthew will come back someday, <laughs> even though we did that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, with all that in mind, let's uh, jump right into the episode. Swipe cut. Dingle, dingle, ding. Those are those are some transitions for you, Jamal. That you can't, you can cut or not cut. You can keep all this too yeah. if you want. They're royalty free. Swing, <laughs> wrong. Cool. That was probably our best intro. So who are you? <laughs> we did it. That we, sounds awfully deep and existential the way you just said well, that. Well, um, I'd love to know well, that. Well, yeah. <laughs> I moved to Japan sort of to be an expat writer like some of my teenage heroes like Hemingway or Kundera or Nabokov. But I ended up becoming something closer akin to maybe Pee Wee Herman or maybe a little nice. Mo Rocca with a, a modicum <laughs> on a good day perhaps oh, of Woody Rocca. Allen. Wow. 
That sounds um, like that, great that sounds a lot better, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I've been on primetime Japanese TV basically every week since 2012 Jeez. on mm. Kitano Takeshi's variety show Seikai Marumie. Mm-hmm. And my job is to comedically present foreign TV shows like <laughs> Iraqi Iraqi dramas or Indian superhero programming for children <laughs> or, say, American police shows. Wow, so a- any foreign television. So not just, um, not just American or it British. It depends on the day. Usually it is American, but oh, I do mm-hmm. present other countries' shows as well. Wow. So you're like ambassador to the world's television. <laughs> Mainly America, but yes, I, yeah. I try to be. I try to be, and I also run a publishing company, Hawaii Books, and I've been recently getting a little bit more into film. Cool. Wow. And, uh, and Matthew, what is your name? Uh, <laughs> my name is Matthew Chozik. Mm-hmm. Um, in Japanese, I usually go by Mashu. Okay, Mashu. Or Mat- Mashu Chojiku, which sounds a little bit Korean in Japanese, like Chojiku. Yeah, it does. Doesn't... Yeah. So, so people sometimes think I'm from Seoul when they just see my last name. So I've got to know, like, how did you get into this world? Like, you know, you went you went to be Hemingway and became Herman Peewee. <laughs> <laughs> it's a um, it's a long sort of convoluted story. I, it starts by meeting a guy at a Christmas party. Nice. So always go to Christmas um, parties. Mm-hmm. Yes. Step one. And we became. <laughs> yes. Go to Christmas parties if you'd like a job on TV. And he was dating a director who is also a graduate student at the University of Tokyo, a director not of TV, but of theater. Hmm. And she asked me if I would be in a play that she was directing. Mm -hmm. And I asked her if it would be okay to write a portion of it. And she said yes. And I ended up writing a portion of a play that was directed and produced in Yokohama maybe seven or eight years ago. And... Then we did a second one in Tokyo in Shinjuku, uh, maybe a year after the first one. And I was contacted by email afterwards um, because the because Nippon Television NTV was looking for an American who could sort of write and speak in Japanese in the media. Nice. Hmm. So it was literally the, that kind of thing where, you know, someone's sitting in the audience and he's like, where am I going to find this American? And they're like, there he is, just what I've been looking for. And he sta- he's the, he's <laughs> the one like, guy who stands up at the end and does yeah. the, the slow clap. Mm-hmm. Bravo. Bravo. Or someone holds a phone from, you know, the, the wing of the stage and says, <laughs> yeah. hey, you know that American sound you've been looking for? Well, listen, listen to this. To this. <laughs> and it's you. It, it, it was a bit like that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it forever will be now. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I, I I have to know. Like you said, every every week since 2012, you've been you've been on this show, mm-hmm. and uh, man, okay, so it's <laughs> a lot of things. So I, I know that like I know that Talento. There, I, I feel like if you're if you're famous in Japan, you're an actor actress in Japan. You got to work a lot harder than, or can more consistently than American actors and actresses and and talents. Is what mm. it feels like to me because you have like these situations where you're just on TV every week. Mm-hmm. Possibly more than mm-hmm. one time per week. I guess is it is it mentally straining to to have to do that, or like how do you keep that up every every week for five years? Well, I was actually I was recently reading Brian Cranston's autobiography, and he spoke a lot about mm-hmm. kind of the filming of Breaking Bad and various mm-hmm. other TV shows. Malcolm the and, Middle um, that one seems harder. with a mm-hmm. very sorry, I'm oh, sorry, Malcolm the Middle as well. Yeah. Yes, and um, 
And based on a small sample of Brian Cranston representing the entire American media to compare myself to, <laughs> mm -hmm. it seems as though he was also working very hard. So yes, to answer your question in a circular sort of way, I, recording weekly, it does require a lot of prep. But I think any job does. I'm sure you guys work very hard on this radio show. Of course. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Everyone listening, we are so hardworking guys. <laughs> very. Um, but it's not. Um, for, for my job, at least, I mean, I have a few different jobs. I wear a few different hats. And I think that keeps things feeling really fresh and rejuvenated. Um, so being able to kind of see, peer into various um, various sort of worlds simultaneously. Like I work a little bit in academia as well and in publishing and in mm. film and Japanese television. So I, it keeps things really interesting for me, at least. I'm very grateful and lucky. How, how much like... are you or what does your week look like, I guess? Well, it really depends. Right now I'm on summer vacation. I teach at Temple University Japan campus. So, oh, okay. um, so mostly I'm working for the TV show and I'm also working on a book right now. Mm -hmm. So I spend a lot of time writing in cafes and also surfing in Chiba Prefecture, which has really great waves. If anyone nice. listening is into surfing, I strongly recommend it. I got into it recently and love it. So, yes. So I haven't very much answered your question, but Sounds my week great. is a lot of <laughs> yeah, my week is a lot more kind of prep than actually working in the studio. Mm -hmm. So watching television for work, um, coming up with jokes and that sort of thing. And recently I've been doing a lot of promotional work for the movie that I'm in, Love and Other Cults. So last night was, uh, I did a talk show after a screening, which was a lot of fun with Academy Award winning actor uh, Den Den and with a, a lot of other people, the director Uchida Eiji and the producer uh, Adam Torell. And it was a lot of fun. Is Academy Award winning actor Den Den, Den Den Zell Washington? <laughs> Well, I should say Japan Academy okay. Award. Okay. That's that minor caveat. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it, we it, should it, name the American Award should be called the American Academy Award. It should. It and and Denzel Washington should be Den Den Chan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next it's next real. time I, I call him up, I'll I'll call him that. So it's, it sounds like you kind of have a, a full <laughs> plate. Like you you can't really just roll out of bed and be like, time to get on camera. <laughs> and, you know, it's, you, you got to do a lot of preparation. So so you said you, you write jokes uh, and you have to watch clips. Like, do you get the clips beforehand? Are you in like like how much notice do you get from the producers or or whoever from the show about the segments you're going to be doing? Well, be, because it's a, a weekly show, we're sort of perpetually in panic mode and uh, and we're <laughs> running on tight deadlines so usually I'm checking shows that we can use a few days before the recording. And I have a team of maybe 10 or so researchers who are also looking for excellent uh, foreign TV shows to introduce. Gosh, that'd be nice to have yeah. 10 or more researchers. Yeah. Can we borrow a researcher? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you manage the 10 researchers? Are they like your, your research team? I don't directly manage them, but I sort of keep in contact with them through the producers and directors for the show. Mm -hmm. um, although we do have a lot of meetings about what would be funny, what would be educational, what might be interesting to introduce to Japanese audiences. I wish that I, I should sort of explain the concept of the show a little bit more, but it's a it's a variety show and we have a group of panelists. So there's usually um, there's always Kitano Takeshi and Tokuro George, who's very famous, sort of like a David Letterman character in Japan. Mm -hmm. And we'll have a uh, NTV sort of announcer. 
And then we have like comedians and writers and actors and actresses and all sorts of guests come on the show. Arm wrestling champion and, you know, it's very <laughs> diverse. And we'll sit down together and we'll watch, as I, I mentioned earlier, like an Indian superhero TV show for children. Mm -hmm. um, and they're edited down. So if like a 30, 40 minute show might become a 10 minute show dubbed wow. into Japanese. That's, that's pretty long. And then we, yeah. It is long. It is. And we watch it and then comment on it. Sort of uh, we imitate it occasionally if there's a way <laughs> to get laughs for that. So, for example, there was this American show um, in Japanese. We called it Satsujin Karaoke. I'm trying to think of the American title, perhaps Killer Karaoke, something like that. Does that I no idea. make sense? I, I don't watch much TV. I don't yeah. know. I'm going to look that up. Though. Not, not like Carpool Karaoke. Oh. That would be fun to do also. Well, thank well, you for the idea. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so killer, <laughs> we did killer karaoke. Um, and in the show, the idea is you have Americans singing and getting rated by a panel um, for their quality of their voice and whatnot while they're getting simultaneously dumped into buckets or pools with snakes in them and they'll <laughs> be electrocuted and that sort of thing. Uh -huh. I did not expect that twist. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we, you know, we took Japanese comedians and sort of imitated that in the studio. We had a very famous <laughs> comedian singing YMCA while we had uh, Kitano Takeshi electrocuting him. Um, <laughs> and that sort of thing goes over very well with our studio audiences. <laughs> um, be that as it may, it's, it's quite educational. And I wish that, um, that American networks had a similar show. I think that the focus Japan has on foreign culture is really enriching to Japan. And I, I'm really proud and happy and uh, humbled to be able to contribute to it in some small way. Yeah, Japan does a little bit better job than the U.S. of like checking out what other countries have going on. Yeah, as far yes. as media and, just, and books, just finding like any kind of human interest story. Yeah, yeah, like they're really good at. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And Americans Definitely. are just like, here's what Trump did again. <laughs> waka waka. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a quick question before we get too far away from it. But you mentioned you're watching uh, with a Japanese studio audience an American mm -hmm. game show where people fall into pits of snakes, um, and I know that like in the states, the uh, I guess stereotype of Japanese TV is like, oh, in Japan, they drop people into pits of snakes yeah. and it's wacky and stuff like that. Um, what, what, is, what are Japanese people's view of American game shows? Are they like, oh, man, that's so crazy. We don't do anything like... Because I know like Americans think like, we don't have anything crazy on our TV, but we drop people in pits of snakes mm -hmm. for seeing wrong. Exactly, exactly. So you have this sort of diametrical kind of inverted or opposite sort of view. So it, just as you said, and I think the, the American impression of Japanese TV is that it's so wacky. Mm -hmm. There are lots of, I think, YouTube channels dedicated to introducing sort of weird Japan TV shows, right? Mm -hmm. um, and in Japan, it's almost the same. Of course, they do watch a lot more American TV dubbed. Mm -hmm. uh, however, there is a lot of material that just seems kind of weird and, and filled with foibles and just kind of... Uh, wacky to them yeah and it's mostly because it's out of context right exactly yeah i, just, I thought that was really interesting i'd never really yeah, thought of that's, that that's before. exactly what i thought yeah. i was like that, that sounds yeah. like the stereotype of japanese television uh -huh. <laughs> and then and then and then uh beat takeshi's uh electrocuting someone so then yeah. then it came yes. around it I was like, oh yeah circle. that sounds about right <laughs> Yes. Or recently he's been dressed up uh, sometimes as Trump or uh, on the last <laughs> show he dressed up as Pico Tero, which was a lot of fun. And oh, oh, Pico wow. Tero on the show as well, which is great. Oh, that's, oh man. Does, does Pico Taro know about our Pico Taro fan cast that we do? 
twice. You have a no, we oh, we just we just did I like do. yeah. <laughs> we did it. We did five minute yeah. like no, we did three, didn't we? Did we? Three things. I don't guess. We're behind. We were trying to keep up every time he released a video. <laughs> but you know what? Nobody listens to them according no. to our statistics. Yeah. So we kind of they're, the, they're the lowest. Uh, we enjoyed it, but we really wanted Pico Taro to hear them someday. Yeah, he loves that stuff. I mean, if you tweet it, I'll send it to him on Twitter, and he tends to retweet. Yeah. That sort oh really? Of okay. Oh yeah. man, well, now I'm all nervous. <laughs> well, we need to get him on the podcast. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we are, we are uh, him and uh, him and Shinzo Abe. If you, oh my gosh, <laughs> friends, the, friends of the our, show, Shinzo Abe. He's our idol. Uh, no, that's not the word I'm know. looking for. I don't know. He's anyway, our ironic idol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, or if we if we finally catch that big fish, we'll no longer no longer be interested. Yeah, we will weep for there are we no just, more. We just want him to agree to, to be on the show so we can tell him <laughs> no. Yeah, no, you can't be on this show. <laughs> um, but anyway, what, what were we talking? What about? were we talking about? <laughs> Matthew, help us. <laughs> We got Pico lost. I, this is, I think, the first time I've heard anyone say anything so cute and charming about Abe. I know. Nobody likes him. Oh, really? He's really been run through the mud recently. Yeah. And I think deserves yeah. a lot of it. But um, oh, oh yeah. it's cute that you see him as sort of a side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We don't, like, yeah. We don't really like his, his policies or his, <laughs> his politics. Yeah. But we like him? If yeah. that makes Well, I don't it's know. Sort of it's sort of like a we did okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. okay. I don't want to get too deep into this, but we did do a rap about Abenomics. That's true. You and did a rap about Abenomics. Yeah, in you- which Koichi dressed as Abe, and I think from that, <laughs> like, we had to look at pictures of him, yeah. do makeup to look like him. We just, I we had just to want write Abe this. Senpai to notice us. That's yeah, how and we really care. I think we basically just got Stockholm syndrome, basically. Yeah, that's that's that a good process. way to put it. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I wouldn't recommend to check it out because <laughs> I wrote it and I don't like it. But um. <laughs> well, that's I'm as soon as the session is over, that's what I'm yeah, checking just out. Search so for uh, Abenomics Paradise and Abenomics Paradise. That's the title of the rap. I think so. Yeah, it <laughs> it's is. It's been a while. <laughs> uh, oh man, I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to you. That's that's <laughs> what that's I want to hear here. about. Um, Everyone. Abenomics Paradise, those of you that haven't heard it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm actually really curious about, so you kind of got into this situation, very good situation, I, I sounds like. Um, you know, you went to be a writer, and yes. then someone was like, hey, be in my play, and, you know, of course, you jumped right into it. Had you done any acting before? I, um, in college, I took some acting classes, and in high school, I did a one-man version of the Star Wars trilogy. I don't think I've ever told anyone this before. I'm wow. Really, and it was abridged because I was so mm-hmm. embarrassed and introverted, and I didn't want to speak in front of anyone into about 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's very short. Yes, it was. It was quite concise. It didn't have any of the bad scenes in it. Um, <laughs> there was no Jar Jar Binks in my Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. Did you do oh, wait, all uh, six? Wait, which, which trilogy did you do? Well, that's true. Yeah, I should be clear. He did not exist in the Star Wars universe I enacted. Um, okay. so he didn't no, have he to could be. have. That's true. Was he alive? You could have added that in there. Yeah. I think he's, I could have he's seen like a beggar or something. The new movie was released, yeah. 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 But is there is there any way we can we can see this thing you're very embarrassed about? <laughs> oh, God, no, 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 oh, no, no. man. It sounds great, actually. It does sound good. So I, I'm kind of interested now that we've heard that you personally know Pico Taro <laughs> and you also personally know Beat Takeshi, who yes. is uh, kind of a hero of, of everyone. Uh, like, who, who else do you know? Who do you not know is a better question, I, I would assume. 
Well, on this show, we tend to have about uh, five, six, seven guests each week. And they're, I mean, this is a primetime uh, in Japanese golden hour show. So we do have a really good, uh, we're very fortunate with the guests. So we have a lot of idols and sort of A-list actors on the show quite frequently and academics and what have you. So I don't, do you guys have anyone specific in mind? Trying to think, Pico Taro is like at the top. I don't, I don't know, I don't know many pop culture thing. Yeah, I, I don't either. But who, who, who are people we've wanted to get on the show? Pico Taro, Bob uh-huh. Sapp. Oh yeah, Bob Sapp. Uh, he's kind of uh, old yeah. news though. Shinzo Abe has not been on the show. I'm sorry oh. to tell you. Well, we're gonna get him before you guys get him, and that's that's a <laughs> promise. <laughs> oh, the competition has started. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you, you hear that? You hear that? Beat Takeshi. That's a that's a promise to you. <laughs> For politicians, we did have the defense minister on not too long ago, and I got to ask him mm. about his policy for alien invasions. And the Japanese what? government does have an official stance oh, on this. Tell me more. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yes. So we do have a plan, which he didn't go into great detail oh. on. But if aliens were to attack Japan, there is a policy that the government officially has, which is great. And what is it? You know, he didn't go into a lot of... So it might be like a Trump a policy secret. for healthcare where there is a policy as long as you don't ask too much about <laughs> it. <laughs> I hope it involves Ultraman in some way. <laughs> well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it involves all the secret Gundams that are being yeah. produced in the, in the underground of Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the <laughs> yeah. SDF is working on. Yeah. <laughs> That would be cool. That's why the old Daibog Gundam is not there anymore. They have to start getting it ready for real mm-hmm. space battles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> man, that's awesome. Oh, man. So I, I think it's pretty interesting. You mentioned you've had academics and people, uh, you know, from government on the mm-hmm. on a variety show that, you know, has really, you know, fun things like dropping people into pits of snakes and electrocuting them. I, I, it's just... A contrast because I can't think of an American television show that has that kind of like, hey, celebrities and people falling in pits of snakes. I, I'm assuming you don't do that every week, but Ellen? maybe Ellen <laughs> has, yeah, Ellen? has that kind of like range. Yeah, I don't know. That's not really a question. I'm <laughs> just <laughs> you're just talking. Yeah, maybe Ellen does have snake pits. I, I haven't seen the show. But yeah, I me neither. She I'd have to ask like my mom device. or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm kind of curious. I mean, we're we're in the U.S., and so it's not so easy for us to to watch your show. Is there a way we can watch it, like through, of course, legal and paying means? How, like, you, you, this is bad podcasting, but you can't see him. I wink right now, <laughs> or I guess <laughs> Koichi wants to know some other ways, some other legal well, ways. Well, um, I I'm not honestly sure how to watch it through legal ways. I I mm. can't really go into that, but I do know that a lot of fans upload upload clips onto YouTube yeah. as well as the Chinese version of YouTube. Oh, I think yeah. it, what, does anyone know what it's called? You Chinese version. It sounds a lot YouTube. like YouTube but slightly uh, different. Uh, I don't know. It's like VU or something like that. Um please don't quote me at that. I might be wrong. That Chinese YouTube. Yeah. Uh, yes. But it, but anyway, it always comes up. To, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you were to YouTube in Japanese Sekai Marumie, uh, which is the name of the show, you would get mm-hmm. a lot of clips on YouTube in full episodes. Okay, well, we'll just have to do that. I can't then. wait to find your clips. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be looking forward yeah. to that. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering I'm now nerds. about... Uh, yes. So we've heard a lot of really cool things about your, your job. Um, I'm pretty envious. It sounds like you have a lot of fun. 
But oh, well, you're welcome to come if you're around in Tokyo sometime. We <gasps> film every other Monday. Come to the studio. Oh wow! Yeah, that would be great. Okay, I think we might take you up on that. Yeah. Um, but I'm wondering, like, have you ever had a time? You've been doing this every week for for five years, and obviously it's a lot of work for you. Has it like you've told us about the good times? Like, have there ever been times where you're like, oh man, this week is a real challenge. This is really tough. Like, tell us about the bad times. Is what I'm getting. <laughs> Well, because I am, as you can tell, I'm American. And when I speak Japanese, I have a horrible, horribly American accent. It's so embarrassing when I hear my own voice. And it, I think I have the worst accent of any American in Japan. Um, <laughs> and I even though I, mean, I speak very fluently, but it doesn't seem to get any better. Mm -hmm. um, so there are certain words that I have difficulty pronouncing and occasionally that leads to kind of distortions of what I'm trying to communicate or maybe a miscommunication. So, for example, I was introducing a show not long ago and I said um, Prince Harry, right? So, Hari Oji-sama or Oji-sama. I can't say it well even now. Um, but in Japanese, <laughs> the word for kind of prince and sort of old man sound very similar. <laughs> um, and depending on how you enunciate the vowel, it becomes the other word. Yeah. Uh -huh. And and it, <laughs> and the studio couldn't stop laughing. And they didn't like understand what gold. I was trying to yeah. say. That you sounds, shouldn't, yeah. You shouldn't be hard on That's yourself. not a You're, bad time. That's a great time. Yeah, you did good. Oh, oh man. <laughs> it's a little embarrassing. Or in the movie that I did recently, Love and Other Cults, I got this great line from the director, Kodoku Janakte Koko de Are, which means like, uh, don't be lonely, transcend, or be transcendent, Koko de Are. And when I say Koko, it sounds like here, Koko. Mm -hmm. So I got this really cool line that was something sort of like Han Solo would say in Japanese. And because <laughs> I couldn't pronounce it well, it sort of ended up being done by the narrator. Um, oh. And that was kind of sad when I watched it. The oh. narrator says, you know, Robbie, my character, often told the protagonist, Koko de are. And I was like, oh, that was oh. my line. And it was a really cool line, but I couldn't pronounce it well. So whatever. But... Oh. Um, but yeah, that sort of thing does happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good story, but I'm sorry you didn't get your line. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, yeah. If it makes you feel any better, I've never gotten any lines. So that is true. <laughs> I also have zero lines. Yeah. <laughs> in that movie or any movie. I've just I, the closest I've gotten to stardom is is standing in the back of a episode of Portlandia. So. No, that's right. I forgot about <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Well, apparently, though, you guys have a really great rap that I'd like to plug once more. No. What, what is it called? Abinomics Paradise. Oh, thanks for remembering. <laughs> Abinomics Paradise. We, okay. we also have a children's song about kakeru and all the different ways you can use it. Oh, yeah. I like that one better. Yeah, Michael likes that one. <laughs> I knew he'd like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, uh, I wouldn't say search kakeru just anywhere, but on yeah, YouTube it should oh, be Oh, bad stuff will come up. Yeah. Yeah. Turn on safe search and... Search for <laughs> We're just searching on YouTube. It's it's there. Yeah, I mean, searching okay. for Japan in general is kind of dangerous with mm -hmm. Google. A lot of stuff mm -hmm. that isn't safe tends to come up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. Let's take a quick break to talk about learning kanji and Japanese vocabulary. Mm hmm. I want to talk about that. Yeah. We everybody wants to stop listening to the thing that they're listening to, <laughs> in order to. Uh, listen to an ad. Yeah. But this is a very important thing that's going to help your life. Well, yeah. and uh, Especially if you want to learn Japanese. It also brings to light the concept of context switching. Mm-hmm. 
which is basically just an interruption from the thing that you're doing. That's and that's true. exactly what we're doing to you. <laughs> and we're showing you why you won't want it in your real life. Yep. You should <laughs> definitely have it in your podcast life, though. Every every one of our podcasts. Mm-hmm. Right it's around important. right around now. And I and I, I just wanted to mention that because when you're using a grammar textbook like like Genki or Adventures in Japanese or whatever you're using, I'm sure it's all good. Every time you have to look up a kanji or look up a vocabulary word while you're trying to learn grammar, that's context switching. And so you're basically interrupting yourself. You're looking up the word and then you're coming back. And then by doing that, not only are you losing your focus, but it also takes some time to get back into your learning for that grammar. So it's not, it's not just the time of looking up the word, it's also the time of getting back into it. And actually that is a long time. It takes a while to get into something, like to get into that, that focus or to get in the zone, as they say. Because mm-hmm. if you have to look up a kanji, you got to go to your app, go to your gshow.org, type it in, make sure that you got it right. Maybe you look up through radicals if you're looking on paper. And that can take a long time. Yeah. By the time you actually get the definition, you're like, uh, what was this I was doing again? And that's your life. Well, here, here's how most people do it, too. Like, they... They look up a word, and then two words later, they look up another word, and then two Mm -hmm. words later, they look up another word. And it's just like a constant stream of that in order to to just learn a very simple grammar. But if you already know those kanji, you already know those vocabulary, the grammar gets really easy, and you're able to focus on it. You're able to, like, get in that zone and then actually, like, learn it really well. So the answer is to learn kanji, but that's a big problem because kanji is hard. Oh, my gosh. Well, so what do I do? Sit down, Michael. I have the solution for you Okay, <laughs> that you already know about and use every day. Uh, so, of course, that's Wani Kani. That's mm-hmm. our sponsor and also part of our company. <laughs> um, Wani Kani, it's a kanji learning site that uses mnemonics. It uses space repetition learning, which is a very sciencey way of saying that you get your review cards when you need to get your review cards so that you can see them as few times as possible. It's just very efficient. Um, and uh, the ordering is also very good for like adult English-speaking, or, like, yeah, I guess it, you have to be English-speaking, adult English-speaking learners rather mm-hmm. than Japanese kids. Who so I won't be learning things like Neko on the very first day, which has, you know, yeah, more, more than strokes. Few, yeah, as many right. strokes. And so, like, uh, English speakers, they need they already understand the concepts of the kanji, like what the meanings are. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not hard because they're not kids, but the number of strokes or how complicated the kanji, and the kanji is, that's what's hard. And so we order things so that, in at least in the long term, you're learning, you know, these 2,000 kanji and these, like, 6,000-plus vocabulary words in a lot less time. And we've seen people learn all these in less than a year and a half, uh, maybe more average is more like two years, but uh, that's still, you know, either five to ten times faster than a traditional classroom. Mm-hmm. And even if you take three to four years, which is maybe you could say the quote unquote slow mm-hmm. route to Wanikani masterdom, that's still pretty quick yep. compared to ten. In the grand scheme of things. That's faster than a Japanese school child. Yeah. By the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to, since we talked about context switching, I just wanted to bring up an email that we got recently from one of our users. He said he tried to take a Japanese class uh, a couple years ago, and they, they used Genki, and he had a lot of trouble with it. It was hard because he had to look up kanji and vocab all the time, and he couldn't do it. And then he quit the class, and then he used Wanikani, and he learned 
all this kanji, a lot of kanji, a lot of vocabulary. And then recently he went back to the class and he said just like everything was so much easier. And he was actually able to skip like the first couple couple years of Japanese because he was able to focus on the grammar, the kanji and the vocab was no problem. And he was able to just jump ahead because really kanji vocab is kind of the one of the hardest parts, I think, mm-hmm. of any Japanese class. And it's also the part that's focused on the least. Yeah, that's a cool story. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought so too. Story Norm- normally we get angry emails, so that yeah. was a good one. Thank you, <laughs> thank you for the nice emails. If you guys have nice emails, please send them to yeah. us. Yeah, send them to us so we can have happy lives. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I hope you, uh, I hope you take the inspiration from Matthew, who just went and just did it, as as people with shoes say, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, go try out the first three levels of Wanikani, which are free. And even if uh, you don't like it, it was free and. If you do like it, then that's great, and you learn about 90 kanji and about uh, 100 vocabulary words, and uh, you know that's actually probably more than most people learn in their first year of Japanese class. So, mm-hmm. you know, and that's all free. Give it a shot; it'll probably take you about a month, a little bit less, and then uh, let us know how it goes. So that's our ad. Now we're gonna contact. Now that you've gotten used to this and you've gotten into the zone for <laughs> for our ad, time to contact switch back to our show. Switch it back. Well, like, how how did you go about? How much Japanese did you know before you went to Japan, and how did you go about getting better at Japanese? Well, I um I did homestays when I was living in America. I tried mm-hmm. to track down Japanese families that lived not too Whoa. far for where, mm, from where I was I located, <laughs> um, and I tried to find people who didn't really speak English to live with for a few months at a time, which was a really good experience, Wait, yeah. and then. I came in America, to Japan. you did that? Yes, in Boston. So you just tracked and down families that had moved to America. And exactly. And then you're like, hey, can I live with you? Exactly. I Really? <laughs> and it worked? Yeah, it worked. I, I, first, I lived with a few Japanese uh, jazz musicians who didn't really speak English, and that That's was awesome. really cool. Oh, wow. So yeah. we'd like drink beer every night and talk about mu- Japanese music or American music, and we'd watch movies together and stuff. And that was a really good way to learn Japanese. And I also tried to do lots of language exchanges. I don't know if people still use Mixi, but when I was living in America, I tried to do a language exchange every day for mm-hmm. at least an hour if I could. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to Japan, I spent about a year. Um, I didn't have any money, so I found like the cheapest flat possible in Tokyo. I found like a flat that was about $350 a month in Takedanobaba and then with no windows and the shower was on the roof, which was really cold in the winter. And I would work like one day a week and study at uh, Waseda has like this free language school, uh, Waseda Hoshien. It's in like a building um, attached to Waseda. And really? I would get like these uh, free multi hour man to man or that's what you say in Japanese, like one on one lessons, right, right. Mm-hmm. which is wonderful <laughs> and highly recommended. Um, so basically, I tried to live as cheaply as possible while dedicating myself to studying Japanese for a while. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you know if that language, free language still, still exists? I'm pretty sure it does. But if, if anyone listening does a search for Waseda Hoshien, okay. there are a lot of, uh, of students at the university as well as some people who, who aren't uh, matriculated but live nearby who, who are serious about improving their Japanese. And it's a really great program. Nice. That's mm. new pretty information. Cool. Yeah. Well, so you lived yeah. with random Japanese people. You went to Japan, lived cheaply. You went to a free Jap- Japanese language school, basically. Yeah, and not the the ones that are forty five thousand dollars for two weeks. Yeah, which are 
which uh, or the ones that make you lot. work in hotels or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wow, that's incredible. That's that's a that's pretty awesome. You've just you've just blown some minds. I hope they're all mm-hmm. sitting down. Hopefully not right <laughs> after they got back from their forty five thousand dollar language school trip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, I think having that level of structure that well, a language school like that would offer would also be really beneficial. And I have gone to a lot of language schools in America as well as in Japan. Mm-hmm. So I, I would recommend to do that. But I think I, I have a lot of uh, discipline, so it was no problem to to make myself go every day. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It sounds like you have a lot of discipline, you know, doing yeah. like language exchange every day. That's pretty cool. Thank you. So like how, how far did you get just learning that way? Like at what point did you write part of a play and then now you're, you're writing for a TV show? <laughs> well, when I was, uh, when I was studying Japanese in Tokyo, at one point I ran out of money and I, I finished uh, my master's program and I was still in Tokyo and I had no money left. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was looking for a job online and I found a kind of a government consulting job in Japanese and it required you to be extremely fluent. So mm-hmm. the first thing I did is I applied and in the interview, I tried to to sound as fluent as possible. And I wasn't yet really confident in my Japanese. And I think kind of applying for positions you're not really quite ready for and mm-hmm. trying to not let that show is a really good strategy for Im- forcing yourself to improve your Japanese, really putting the pressure on. Did I answer your question? I'm sorry. I just woke up. No, no. <laughs> I was delusional still and sort of half in a dream state. It's early here. So, yeah, I guess I guess putting yourself in a situation where you have to use Japanese to a certain level, that, that'll definitely mm-hmm. motivate you. Yes. I think, I think yes. definitely a lot of people, they just like kind of go about their learning as just sort of this thing that they kind of do yeah. placidly and mm-hmm. just let it happen but like if yes. you put yourself in a situation where you're like screwed and it's just like then you're gonna you have to do it that's yeah i think i remember taking classes and we'd spend like months talking about colors and seasons and days of the week and mm-hmm. in the beginning you really don't need any of that and you Mm-mm. don't need to know how to write kanji um i think it's really important to sort of focus on the words a child learns so mm-hmm. that you could kind of carry out sort of empirical uh, research yourself as a language learner and ask questions and get feedback and understand the feedback and sort of learn how to improve uh, yourself. Once you you can ask like the five basic questions and understand the answers and, and learn high frequency words, I think it's really easy to pick up the days of the week or colors yeah. or mm-hmm. the totally. names of months. That stuff's not at all important for the first few months of learning Japanese, I think. I'm, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, that's, that's what we, we say a lot too. Yeah. Like, oh, we have like data on like how frequently words, certain words are used and things like that. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of like, there's a lot of surprising words and you look at it, you're like, oh yeah, I guess that is used a lot in daily life mm-hmm. and not, mm-hmm. not so much like random color, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's words like Kabe, like wall, which I didn't learn like when I was <laughs> studying in a textbook. And then eventually I was talking to someone and I'm like, you know, this thing, this, uh, and I'm like hitting the wall. I'm like, uh, crap, how do I not know the word for wall? You know, like the- like a, <laughs> as a baby, I knew what a wall was. Yeah. I'm guessing. I don't really remember my baby years. Totally. And I, I guess just, and then just using it too. That's, that's important yeah. too. Everyone wants to be perfect and mm-hmm. like they wait so long to, to actually use it because they don't want to make a mistake that mm-hmm. they just mm-hmm. don't learn anything at all. And it's really sad. Yeah. But like yes. you said, if they put themselves in a situation where it's like do or die, then you either do it or you, you die, I guess. Mm-hmm. But you yeah, learn I from mean, the death. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> exactly. I and mean, being perfect really isn't an option, is it, with a second language? Right. Mm-hmm. 
And I think a lot of people who want to study Japanese, I mean, of course, being interested in Japanese culture, it means that the people who who have that uh, that that curiosity are in some ways attracted to Japan and perhaps similar to Japanese people on some fundamental level mm-hmm. uh, in some perhaps superficial way, but or, or a deeper way. And Japanese people, of course, are extremely cautious about making mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's very easy to fall into a trap of that worry as a foreigner interested in Japanese language as well. So to be open to screwing up, I think, is, is really important. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, we kind of we also kind of talked about a similar thing last week on the podcast. Was it like, mm-hmm. no, two weeks ago? Yeah. Where we just were talking about how you should visit Japan without making any plans and just kind of go for it and, mm-hmm. and make mistakes and discover things and learn from it yeah yeah i mean there's no city better i think in the world to not have any plans in than tokyo and you can walk walk around anywhere and Mm -hmm. have all sorts of discoveries without any worry of of danger really yeah exactly yeah or boredom or boredom yes yeah (laughs) and there are gundam robots who you know protect (laughs) you and if aliens do attack japan does have a plan Mm -hmm. i think i think america has a plan too i remember reading something about that yeah sure we've got to have some kind of plan it's probably nukes or something but Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) oh yeah you mentioned earlier you have a publishing company and you publish books oh that's that's true thank you for asking you did become a Hemingway then well I I haven't put out any well I shouldn't say I haven't put out any of my own work yet there is a a work of fiction that was released recently in Japanese called uh Dalmatian Hitler the Dalmatian and it's about (laughs) A dog so you do a, have an unspoken love of Adolf Hitler. <laughs> um, <sorry>. I, <laughs> I, I should say I'm a secular Jew. So no, no. <laughs> um, so the the story it's about a dog with a sort of a spot above its lip in a suspicious oh, no. place, <laughs> and uh, it's about sort of the family that adopts the dog. And um, but yeah, if anyone is interested in practicing Japanese, if you do a Google search in Katakana Hitera Zadarumation, you'll get that. Um, but I did not put that out by my own publishing company. I don't self-publish, but I have put out a manga which was really wonderful. It's uh, it's won an award from the government. Um, it's called Him Her That. Uh, it was written or drawn by Wizit Ponimit, and he has a really funky name. Of course, he's not Japanese, as you could probably tell. He is from Thailand, hmm. and I think it's really interesting that uh, he, a foreigner has done such kind of touching, heart-wrenching, philosophical, um, is really challenging and sort of psychedelic, uh, quite lovely manga that I would highly recommend. Um, Time Out Tokyo wrote of it that it was like the must-buy or must-read manga of, I forget what year, uh, maybe 2013 it came out in. So highly, highly recommend it. And recently we put out a book that was written by the Japan Times music critic, uh, Ian Martin, about the Japanese musical underground scene called uh, Quit Your Band! Exclamation oh, yeah. Mark we interviewed him. Oh, yeah. Japanese underground. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, so that's a, a really yeah. um, kind of in-depth book about the Japanese music industry. And it sounds kind of dark from the title, but it's really a love story. Um, a personal love story about how he got involved with musical production in Japan. And it also goes into a lot of depth about sort of feminism and the Japanese music scene and sort of the 
the live house or the venue sort of production system and the economics and the relationship between musicians and talent agencies and television uh, companies and uh, advertising companies is really interesting and highly recommend it. Yeah, I actually read uh, most of it for in preparation for that podcast. It was really good. And that's my my plug. <laughs> I didn't read it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I will now. Yeah, well, I was the only one on that that episode, but I'll, I'll share it with it? you. No, it was just me and uh, and it? Jamal. That was the uh, Jamal's oh, first episode. Oh, that one. Okay, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, we're always looking for new uh, projects that sort of connect Japan and uh, and America or other countries. So, the name of the publishing company is Hawaii Books, and Hawaii and Koten are sort of medieval or ancient Japanese means uh, the same thing as Ida kind of today between. Mm -hmm. So we try to sort of occupy this liminal space between cultures and sort of bridge them between languages and connect them. And um, so we we try to introduce people who have sort of an international stance um, who work in Japan abroad. And then we also do the opposite. So um, I put out a book called uh, The Pillow Book which is based on Makura no Soshi, like this, um, this, I think it's a 10th or 11th century collection of poetry. Sometimes it's called the first blog. Uh, it was written in <laughs> Heian, Japan. And there was a, a New York version that came out not too long ago by Ji Long Ko, a Singaporean-born, uh, Oxford sort of raised, and currently a poet uh, in New York. And um, is just really brilliant and well-written. And I thought it was sad that he was influenced by Japanese poetry, but wasn't really read in Japan. So we had him translated and his book is available now in, Jap in Japanese as well as in English. And you're um, a busy guy. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of works. <laughs> you're acting and writing. You're the Hemingway and the Herman all in one package. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what Herman is referencing. Well, he said earlier, he said he was the Pee Wee Herman instead of Ah, Hemingway. the Herman, the Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. I, oh, I know him okay. by his, uh, Herman by his more casual or... name, Pee Wee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone calls him Mr. Herman. Mr. Herman. Except in uh, paging Mr. Herman in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, the one line. <laughs> I wish Mr. my bicycle Herman. was as cool as Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. Love his oh, bike. Me too. I love that movie. Or my couch. Yeah. 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 Uh, do have a pretty badass Mama Charlie. Those of you who don't have Japanese bicycles, you <laughs> should have a Japanese bicycle. Oh, you yeah. should. Yeah, I had one in high school. It was oh, awesome. Really? Did you have it here? No. Or no, when you were when in high school in Japan. Japan. Yeah. When I great. came back from Japan, I looked for Mama Chari, and they are They're not to be kind found. of coming coming around here. Yeah, yeah. Like those those uh, Nike bikes are sort of. Yeah, they kind of are. Got that vibe, but mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah, I can't put my groceries on the back. Mm. Oh, I'm a travesty. Yeah, I see a lot of people taking toilet seats at the airport back to America. Nice. Japanese toilet finally. Seats. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> but I haven't seen anyone with a Mama Charlie. And yeah, that's a big. They should really a big, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to to get over here. It's a big it's baggage fee, probably. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think I did when I, and this was like back when I came back. It was like 2010, so a long time ago now. I looked for them online. Someone in the U.S. was selling them for like two thousand dollars. What? It was, like, wow. it was like you know. Are you talking about toilets or Mama? No, Chari's? Mama Chari. Oh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like they're they're like the the inexpensive bike for the yeah for the mamas. yeah. I think I bought mine used in a shop in my neighborhood. I live in Suginamiku in Tokyo, and I think it was Sanzenen, so about thirty dollars. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way to do that's it. That's probably how much mine was too. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> Japanese toilet seats, huh? 
they're, mean, they're warm. We're, I I would buy one right now if I wasn't waiting to like do an interview with Toto and then get a bunch of free ones. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> after the Abe interview, yeah, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're both right up there on the top of of want to do. Yeah, interviews. I finally have an apartment that has a, a plug right next to the toilet too. Oh, you so do. I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah. So Toto, if you're listening, Matt, do you have a warmed toilet seat in your home? I currently do not, what? actually. I, wow. uh, I live in an old kind of wooden traditional Japanese house That's really close cool. to um, cool. the station. Um, and That's it's very cool. large, but because it's such a good kind of value discount um, with a large house, uh, there's no kind of special high-tech toilet or anything like that. We don't have like the, uh, the doorbell with a camera or anything like that either. Oh. Uh, well, Toto, if you're listening, please hook up Matthew with, a warm, warm toilet seat. Mm-hmm. It's so yes. good for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Or if, or if Agreed. Beat Takeshi's listening, you know, just think about your, yeah. think about your employees. Beat Takeshi, stuff. please buy buy Matthew a toilet seat. Mm-hmm. It's important for him. <laughs> I know you listen to this podcast, even though you don't return our our Twitter DMs <laughs> or our calls, <laughs> no. or our calls. I don't know if he's on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know, but Shinzo Abe is, and boy, do we tweet yeah. at him. Yeah, <laughs> and he does not. He, he does hasn't not blocked respond. us yet, though. So that's no. good. He probably his like assistant who does his Twitter probably is just ignoring us. <laughs> um, can I ask about Beat Takeshi some more? Sure. Well, before that, just to talk a little bit more more about Abe. So, did you guys hear that he recently he was speaking in the Diet Building about social media, and he mentioned that he pays a monthly service for using Facebook, and people laughed a lot. Oh yeah, I remember re- that. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. So apparently he he thinks that Facebook is not free. Yeah. What is he paying? Who who is he, he paying? It's a good question. And <laughs> and how can we make it us? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel like that might have been something where someone he was working with or talked to was like, oh, yeah, um, I'll take care, care of your Facebook. Uh, $100 a month, please. Yeah. Or, or he got an email from like something at what looks like Facebook.com, but like one of the O's is switched out with like a Russian O. Yeah. And like, and now he's, yeah. <laughs> now he's just paying a monthly o. fee for something. Oh, yeah. no. Shinzo. Oh, Abe-chan. Shinzo. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Abe-chan. <sighs> um, does, does Beat Takeshi pay for Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's on Facebook. Yeah, I, He I, doesn't seem like a social media kind of guy. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was saying. I don't think yeah. he seems like a social media guy. But, yeah. but you would know better than us. Are you his friend on yeah. Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Oh. But you're his friend in real life. We do share a bathroom. Nice. In your home? <laughs> he lives <laughs> in your home. Not in my home, but on, on the set. And it does have a high-tech toilet. Oh, wow. So by share a bathroom, do you mean like everybody shares the same bathroom? Or like it's just you and Beat Takeshi, and then your name is on the door of this bathroom? Oh, that would be so cool. Um, but no, it's not the latter. It's the former. Um, oh. I think all of us sort of share, or most of us share a bathroom. There are a few different sort of changing room spaces. Um, but mine, my area is kind of close to his area. And how often do you like, go into the bathroom and he's in there already and then you're like oh okay i'll wait i'll wait for you to pee beat takeshi and and he's taking a long time because he's kind of an old guy about the decorum with that so when there are multiple (laughs) urinals in japan Uh it's really frequent to sort of end up talking with the person that you're standing next to and i'm never sure yeah how far to go with the the talking and how much to sort of be polite and not say anything Um, how's how's that pee going kind of thing 
Would it be yeah, impolite yeah, for us to that. ask about the conversations yeah. we have? Like, what have you talked about well, the, <laughs> while you're <laughs> using the urinals together? Not the same urinal, you know, right? Different urinals? I, I mm-hmm. su- yeah, because he's okay. such a fan of this show, I, I don't want to give away any of our, our secret <laughs> conversations. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Matthew, I, I know you're never coming back on our show after that. this. <laughs> Yeah. But both of us, we do drink a lot of water. I'll say that, so we're oftentimes yeah. in there oh. together. Yeah, the lights are hot. Um, so, so beat to so yeah, drinks if, a lot of water. Then, yes, that's a yes, that's a his, scoop, his guys. Inside we scoop. got it, exclusive. <laughs> we're done. And, and you're American, so of course you drink a lot of water. But yes, <laughs> how hard is that, by the way? Because I find it very hard to want to drink more water than everyone else. Maybe you've gotten used to it. I've uh, I've actually been I was talking about this yesterday because because it seems that Japanese people don't really drink a lot of water even in the summer mm-hmm. and I don't know whether it's um and I'm I'm of European descent I don't know what I doubt there's a biological difference it's I guess it's possible that there's some sort of genetic difference but it's most likely cultural I think you get used and, to it like your body will adjust yeah and there's a lot yeah, of salt so, in the diet so that helps to absorb more of the water mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I don't know. I always ask for like a jokey of water. So that's that's a yes. pro, pro tip for you. Just ask for Just a jokey ask of for water. more. Yeah, that's the pro tip. <laughs> that's the pro tip. Yeah. New word of the day, listeners: jokey. Yeah, it's also good for beer. Mm-hmm. And yes, I mean to be fair, Japanese beer is basically water. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> if you just drink Asahi Super Dry or something, it's like you're hydrating yourself. That's true. However, I, I really recommend oolong hai, oolong hai, yeah. rokja hai, or hopi, the sorts of drinks that you can't get overseas. Mm-hmm. I guess hopi is trying to have, a, I guess, a presence in America. They, retreat, they retweeted a comment about hopi that I wrote recently. So oh, yeah. I was surprised to learn they're trying to sell in America. Interesting. Um, but yeah, hopi is wonderful. Um, the oolong hai, rokja hai, so a little Japanese uh, liquor mixed with tea. It's hard to get a hangover. It keeps you alert. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it has all that water in it, that carbonated water. Exactly. So I have to ask <laughs> this digress. before. Uh, Are we going back to the bathroom? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> no more bathrooms. Uh, Picotaro, Abe. After, oh, have you shared a urinal with Picotaro? <laughs> <Is that? laughs> not yet. That's, not yet. That's my dream. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, okay. Back, back to, my back to one question, which is not bathroom okay. related. We can get back to bathrooms if you guys really want. But uh, I think that our, our listeners probably have this question burning in their hearts right now because they've heard about your your massive successes on television and they're like i want to go have massive successes on japanese tv so how how if our our listener let's call him or her let's let's have a, a a girl listener this time uh cynthia so cynthia she wants to go hi cynthia hi cynthia she wants to go be on japanese tv um and, and what would your advice be to, to her to become a star like you? <laughs> well, I would recommend Cynthia to do exactly what I've done. So first, you need to have a time <laughs> machine, go to a Christmas party about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. No, but I, I think that uh, everyone seems to have a different route into the Japanese entertainment industry. And to be fair, in the American entertainment industry as well, totally. um, mm-hmm. it seems like uh, everyone's story is a little bit different. So I would recommend to go see a lot of movies. If you're interested in film, to do a lot of meet and greets with directors. There are a lot of directors and actors who do events in Tokyo so you can meet them and, hmm. and learn about their lives a little bit more. Um, try to get into the best talent agency you can. That's really, really important. 
and also just work on your Japanese, like having your Japanese as high in terms of proficiency as possible is uh, is really key. However, I wouldn't let it hold you back if your Japanese isn't perfect yet. I've met a lot of foreigners who do really well um, in the entertainment industry and in other industries where Japanese is really important who don't actually speak so fluently. And, um, and they just have really charming personalities and they're really good at... Uh, at reading the the air cookie yomeru they're just really skilled <laughs> at sort of navigating the minefields of japanese kind of uh, social interaction and discourse and uh, and they've done well from the for themselves so i wouldn't think i wouldn't think like i need my japanese to be a little bit better and then i'll try i would start trying today um, and not miss any opportunities mm. um, but but yeah i would study japanese really hard as well we agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I so I'm curious. You mentioned talent agencies. What what talent agency are you with, and do you recommend them to Cynthia? <laughs> well, there are a few that really sort of um, are more influential than any others. So uh, Watanabe Productions is really um, influential. Uh, Yoshimoto uh, Productions, um, Hori Pro. Um, my talent agency is a little bit smaller. Uh, I really like that about it. There are maybe three or four other kind of talent media personalities in it. Um, the most famous who is Paku, Pakun, Pakun Makuns, Pakun. I don't know if you guys know him. He's a comedian yeah. who's also foreign. However, it's not a talent agency for foreigners. It's primarily a musical talent agency. So we have a lot of bands in it, which is really fun during the Bonenkai and Shinenkai, the uh, sort of annual celebration. So like, Go Daigo, who did the Galaxy Express theme song, is in the talent agency. And Billy wow. Bonbon, who are kind of uh, really lauded, sort of uh, slightly older musicians, but do a lot of commercials, are in the agency. And in, in any case, I would really recommend to get into the best talent agency you can and not to be shy about emailing them. What if you're not talented? <laughs> Just <laughs> asking real. for a friend? Asking for a friend. <laughs> no. I'm just I kidding. You don't have talent. to answer that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I don't have a good answer. myself is particularly talented. Um, I think what's more important is just to sort of have character and to be a little unique at the time. So some of my favorite uh, Japanese talents in history well, my favorite is perhaps Kent Derikoto. I don't know if you guys know him, but he was huge in the 80s and he um, he was Mormon and he would get really excited on Japanese whenever topics would get a little bit um, lascivious or sexual and he'd kind of run around and start panicking and, <laughs> um, because he was so religious and dedicated to that. Uh-huh. And for Japanese viewers at home, that was just so funny to watch him sort of bug out. Um, that he did really Look well at that silly Mormon. Yeah, yeah. and he, he had these very thick glasses that oh. he would kind of take off or like he would move maybe a few inches closer to the camera and sort of shake so his eyes would look bigger and smaller. Um, and having those little accents is really funny. I often try to kind of quote talent, uh, foreign talents from the 80s, and I love to incorporate a little bit of his uh his net uh, like his tricks into my own work and <laughs> to get a bit meta, but uh but yeah i love him if anyone <laughs> listening uh youtube's at kento dedicotto you'll you'll find some really great clips <laughs> that sounds awesome and i don't mean to put him down i mean of course he's very talented but um but i think what's more important is really just to sort of it sounds lame but to sort of be yourself and have that stand out a little bit from others who are trying to be themselves so, so practically speaking, 
say I I have talent or I don't or whatever. And, and I'm going, I'm like, okay, I'm getting to this talent agency that you mentioned. Do you just knock on the door and just be like, here's my resume? Or is there a different <laughs> Represent way? Represent me. <laughs> Represent me. And then shake your glasses yeah, around. Uh-huh. <laughs> there are a lot of people do do that. I've heard anecdotally that having so because business cards are so important in Japan, whatever you put on your business cards, people will believe. So if you write on your business card or model or whatever, and then you pass them around, people think, oh, he's a professional tarento or he or she is a model. Um, and that tends to work well. So if you have business cards that say you're a tarento and then you go to an agency and you say, hey, I'm a tarento and I'm looking for uh, representation, they might take you very seriously. Mm. <laughs> That's actually, there's actually some truth to that. I think uh, I did a panel with Zach Davison, who's a translator, and he mentioned in the panel how he got started by putting on his webpage Japanese folklore expert um, <laughs> and then after about a year or so of just writing about Japanese folklore everyone started contacting him and saying oh you're the expert right <laughs> and he got on TV and talked about Japanese folklore so put it on the internet put it on your business card eventually exactly. it will be true and that, that kind of goes with just uh, just doing it I guess yeah and making sure totally. it happens afterwards mm-hmm. That's really cool. Okay, so now Cynthia knows how to become a talent. Secretly, though, I have a confession. I was Cynthia the whole time. (laughs) So off I go to Japan. Michael, no. No. (laughs) This has been been very enlightening. Yeah, this is 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 really fun. (laughs) We don't have to end, though, I'm just saying. (laughs) But I I know, like, uh, you, you you can talk for five more hours, right? (laughs) <laughs> it's uh it's possible yeah. uh, breakfast at some point would would not not be nice but yeah did you guys have any other questions about the movie or anything i don't really know much about it and i'd like to know more <laughs> <laughs> thank you for so asking. natural you're, you're welcome yeah. for asking we did not plan this <laughs> no but i really do want to know more about the movie because you you did mention it and i don't really i you know our sound engineer he gives us like research on things and i don't i don't really look at it because i want to pull it strings of things I'm curious about mm-hmm. rather than going to fly through the air like a baby into the loving arms of a mother uh-huh. into the sun. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I do. What, what movie is this a Japanese? Well, movie? I like that spontaneity. Yes, it is a Japanese movie. The title in Japanese is Kemono Michi mm-hmm. and the English title is love and other cults. Um, it was directed by Uchida Eiji. Mm-hmm. And it's a film about gangs, religious cooks, underwater photography, and the sort of uh, Japanese yearning for city life Religious in the provinces. Cooks, like cooks, or like, or like, yes, ryorijins, like people who cook. <laughs> not, not ryorijin. Oh. Um, religious kind of fundamentalists or kind of nuts, like cult leaders. Um, it's uh, it's permeated with a, a bleak sense of humor, mm-hmm. and I actually play like this nefarious sort of cult leader in the movie, nice. uh, Ravi. Ravi. Uh, yes. <laughs> So, yeah, so in the film, I played a cult leader, um, which is really hard to do because um, I'd never been in a cult, I'd never been a cult leader. Really? Okay. Yes. And so I had to really act. (laughs) And um, I always thought if I were asked to be in a movie, I would try method acting. Like I always, um, (laughs) I I love Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver. Mm -hmm. Like he's so cool in that movie. And to do the film, he actually got a license, as some listeners might know, to drive a taxi. Wow. And he he gained a a lot of experience. 
um, doing that in New York City before filming of the movie really started. So I thought, like, I will do that if I ever get a movie role. And then so I was asked Tell us to about the cult that you started. So it was really hard, yeah. Um, and no one wanted to join. It's really difficult to get people to join your cult. Um, well, I don't so know. So Jap- <laughs> Japanese universities, um, because of the Om Shinrikyo, like the ah. cult, which um, perpetrated the bomb, or not the bombings, but the gas attacks right. in the Tokyo sub in the 90s. Um, even today, if you go to a Japanese public university, there are signs that say no cult members allowed <laughs> near the entrances. Often. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, so I was not able to start my own cult. So I had to <laughs> no. watch a lot of YouTube clips of cult leaders getting arrested and doing sketchy things. <laughs> and imagine um, how they would behave. And I watched a lot of like videos of rockers from the 1970s who had thick beards who looked sort of like cult leaders but were maybe a little cooler to sort of be a little bit more like that as well so was your character like a really cool rock and roll hippie leader he was uh, within the logic of the movie the protagonist who kind of moves um to all of these different places as she works in the adult film industry she lives in a bunch of households she moves on and on like going through these different sort of life stages um and never really finding a sense of home the happiest point in her life was living in my cults hmm. oh that's sweet yeah yeah we, we kind of started a <laughs> cult at tofugu it's called wanikani yeah, and, you did. and people treat it like a weird religion, and mm-hmm. we don't discourage it. Yeah, some people have emailed and asked us about how to join the religion, or yeah. like <laughs> what you know. Or I forget. Well, I don't remember. Boy, what if it we was, could do but. that, we could pay less taxes, and that would be great. But that sure would be great. Oh, <laughs> you might get in trouble though. <laughs> Interesting. I haven't thought of that. Uh, yes. Yeah. So you should you should start a cult, is what we're saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's real good. Nothing bad it was, there. It was difficult to try to start one by myself. So maybe if we collaborated a little bit on that. Yeah, yeah. Or as they say in cults, cult-laborated. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of those jokes that we cut out later, right? Yeah. Right, guys? Let's cut that one. Uh, I liked Gigi Gaga. So I, I, <laughs> how did you feel about the, the performance you gave? Since, you know, you really wanted to do method acting. You couldn't start a cult. And did you feel like prepared when you when you got on set? You're like, I I am this cult leader. I have become, I've become Ravi. Or how, how did you feel about your performance? Well, I was a little worried about becoming Ravi. Um, I've read <laughs> stories about people who acted in certain roles for say a month or two months, and then they couldn't get out of the character after the filming <laughs> stopped. And I thought that if I were to sort of emotionally get confused and become a cult leader, I could get into trouble mm-hmm. potentially. Um, but on set, I worked with a lot of really talented actors and actresses. Um, so I felt quite comfortable. However, the director, uh, Uchida Eiji uses a lot of improv in his movies. So I felt that I couldn't just remember my lines. I had to also kind of be a little clever on the spot if necessary. And <laughs> so to stay alert to that opportunity, uh, if it were to arise and it, um, so it's, it was a little bit different than maybe acting in uh, a Japanese film in which the director or a committee of directors wants a very specific performance that mm-hmm. is carefully approved by a group of sponsors. Um, Uchida Eiji is more of sort of a, an out, an art house director um, who shows in a lot of uh, foreign festivals. Mm. Um, and he's more open to sort of um, actor creativity and the impromptu changes to the script. One thing I'm curious about is, did the did the director have, I, I don't know how to say this right, but like, 
sort of a, a different a different standard for uh, a foreign person doing a role and a Japanese person doing a role? Because like I imagine it would be hard for him to be like, no, that's not how foreigners act. <laughs> like they're they're that's... more goofy and they like they do these <laughs> things. And then for you, you're probably like, no, that that you're 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 making me look like I'm a really bad actor or something like that. Like doing <laughs> yeah, these... that's a really interesting question and in most japanese movies foreigners who are caucasian of sort of european descent end up playing english teachers mm-hmm. uh, at least japanese movies that i've seen and i was really excited for this role upon reading the script because i'm in it and not or i was offered the role not as an english teacher mm-hmm. and also um anthony i don't know if you know him but he his father is um is african-american and his mother is japanese he's in the film as sort of a gang member slash underwater <laughs> photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's gang in the member movie. slash underwater us. photographer. Okay. Yes. A great uh, thing to put on your business card yeah. and give to Tony. Oh. Um, so, so two of us have faces that are, that look a little bit foreign and there's no explanation of that whatsoever in the narrative. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just thrown into the movie and we're not introduced as foreigner or he, I mean, he was raised in Japan and I don't think he speaks English. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not, I mean, he, he's half and we're not, um, introduced as having this multicultural background. We're just who we are in the movie. So I think that, that, um, that sort of use of foreigners hopefully will become more common in the Japanese entertainment industry without shoehorning us into these horrible stereotypes. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of roles are, they seem like to be almost caricatured, I guess. Mm-hmm. And just like exactly. being so, so foreign and like mm-hmm. it just comes off as, I don't know, like if I were to do acting, it, it, that's how it'd come off because it should be like over mm-hmm. the top, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, can well, I ask cool. a really like high level, almost philosophical questions that that's going to be hard to answer? I love those. OK, so uh, as you've been talking about, you know, working in film, working in TV reminded mm-hmm. me of uh you know, a, a lot of things that, that I hear that I guess are kind of stereotypes of, of Japanese culture that is like, oh, Japan has, Japanese culture has trouble being creative. Japanese people have trouble being creative. Um, and, you know, in schools, creativity is not taught, things like that. But obviously that's not true because there's an entertainment industry and people are being creative in that industry. Uh, and I, I was curious about your experience with creativity, uh, with you know, culturally, how how does how do, how does the group creativity work in the film industry in the television television industry, and does it seem different or the same as uh, I don't know creative processes elsewhere? That's a great question. Um, how to answer? So I I think that there there is definitely to someone who has grown up abroad and moved to Japan like myself um, fairly recently. Uh, well, about 10 years ago, there is this sort of paradox where it seems as though the Japanese school system is extremely rigid and hierarchical. However, Japan is producing some of the world's best music, most of it underground, uh, best cinema and best visual art, I think, in the world. And how how is that creativity coexisting with a culture which, you know, there are idioms about the nail that sticks out must be hammered down, right? Mm-hmm. So how how does that coexist? And I think one factor that's really important to remember is that there's no money in Japan for creative work, or very little money, I should say, for for really good creative work. Um, and I think that in some ways that's almost beneficial. So 
um, an indie movie in America might have a budget of, say, two or three million dollars, mm-hmm. where an indie movie in Japan may have a budget of, say, 50 or 80,000 dollars. So Japanese filmmakers don't have as much of a budget as I think American filmmakers oftentimes, whether we're talking about indies or real mainstream cinema. Mm-hmm. So they have to focus a little bit more, I think, on dialogue, development of the relationships between characters um, in a way that perhaps Hollywood explosion films, uh, superhero movies, and I'm being a little bit unfair and I think I'm painting with a bit too wide of a brush, mm-hmm. but in a way that Hollywood doesn't have to as much. Um, And I think it's kind of refreshing. So in Japanese cinema, it's sort of, to me, a little bit like I think good movies are a little bit like punk rock, like scaled down to the basics, the essentials. So in the way that punk rock went back to sort of the essentials of rock and roll and stripped away some of the extra layers that were added in the 70s and went back to what really gets you moving and, and energized I think good Japanese cinema or visual arts, it's kind of basic in that sort of complementary, um, positive way. If that makes any sense. I don't know if I answered your question well. That, that was no, a no, that fantastic was answer, actually. Yeah. I, I'm curious also though, in the the tele in the television show you're in, that that's is that that's higher budget. That's not really indie, right? It's true. Yeah, yeah. that is how does does the create creative process or, or creativity that you've seen between the indie film and the television? Is it the same or kind of different? Well, for for the television, for example, there are multiple directors and producers, and it's a huge show with over 100 staff members working on it, I believe. Wow. Um, so there is, although it's not terribly hierarchical, it's sort of um, the person who has the best ideas sorts of, sort of wins um, debates and whatnot. People are very open to... Uh, innovation from the bottom up, which is great. Mm. But it, it is a large organization or a large show that has been on TV for almost 30 years now. Wow. Um, yes. So it has its own kind of traditions. And stepping into that for the first time, I had to really familiarize myself with them. But it's very open to innovation and change. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll start wrapping it up so you can yeah. get to your breakfast. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, sure. Yeah. And we'll, we'll do that by saying... Thank you? Is that, what, is that where we were going? We're so no, but seriously, be. thank you. Yeah, this has been a really cool interview. Um, super cool. But now we have to figure out how to wrap it up because we're not good at wrapping things mm-hmm. up. Yeah, we're not good oh. at saying goodbye, Matthew. Yeah. Well, um, hopefully we can chat again sometime. And if I do have the uh, the lucky a lucky chance encounter with Shinzo Abe, I'll pass him your way. Please. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we have about three people out there trying to mm-hmm. trying to do that for us. So any, any more helpful... Be wonderful. Yeah, eventually, and, and Pico Taro, just give him a yeah. give him a high five and and some orange juice. And, yeah. uh, In actual real reality, yeah. if I were to meet Shinzo Abe, I'd be like, "What do I do?" But if I were to meet Pico Taro, I'd know exactly. Just what ask to him do. how his IBS is. Hope <laughs> 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 he doesn't listen. Oh my gosh! Um, uh, well, we haven't. Okay, we we none of this will be in the podcast. It we might. Have, Oh, Jamal, help us. Okay, we, we'll, we'll find a way to get you to your breakfast now. Okay, yeah. so starting now, okay. we're going to find Thank a way you. to wrap it up. Thank you so much, Matthew. No, it was my pleasure. Yet. It was really great talking with you guys. It's been our pleasure. It's been our pleasure. It's been wonderful to have you on the okay. show. It sounded and a little sarcastic, though. No, this, okay, <laughs> let's... I'm sorry, Matthew. I'm really... I'm you're, really you're overacting I'm, right now. I'm boffing the, the ending here. <laughs> you're not boffing. Oh, I like to use the word boffing. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't, I'm really trying hard to to get you to your SAT breakfast word. and <laughs> cool SAT word boffing. Um, and I'm yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, okay. Well, yes, I look forward to your other podcasts as well. I've really had a, a lot of fun not only being on the podcast but also listening to oh, them. So you. keep up the great oh, work, guys. <laughs> yeah. And, and okay. we're I'm looking forward to to going and watching your videos on YouTube. Not mm-hmm. not your video, but like watching all the pirated. Clips on, of, on Chinese on YouTube. On YouTube. Oh, thank you. And if you hear a scratching sound right now, my cat who is Ooh. close by is using oh, the bathroom. The cat. Oh, I heard geez. the cat meowing. It's like yes. Hi, Maru. That must be a, a, a tough. Do you say Maru? Yes. Is your cat Maru? Are you the owner of Maru? Is there only I, one cat named not, Maru? And does your cat jump in boxes? It. He does jump <gasps> in boxes, and he's named Maru. I didn't name him Maru. Oh. I, I had. Him and did you adopt? Fukushima did you adopt Maru Mar- when the original owner thought this cat is garbage? It just keeps jumping in boxes, and you're like, oh, I see some potential there. Some YouTube and then you potential. started the the Matthew Chozik talent agency for cats. Oh my god! That gosh. is exactly what happened. But don't wow. tell my cat because I think you said my cat was garbage. And no, the previous well, owner. Said no, that. the previous owner said that, and, and then got you, rid of it and you, you adopted saved it. it from the previous okay. owner who mm-hmm. said that. The previous okay. owner is like, I'm going to throw you in a box. That is the garbage. And you're like, no. Yeah, that was the narrative. I'm we were a good trying. person. And yeah. then in process of that, we insulted your cat. <laughs> but so we sorry. weren't trying to. I think your cat's great. Okay. I'm a big I, fan I of your cat, Maru. Yeah, we love Maru. And I can't wait to see what box Maru will jump in next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the real question is. I haven't is, had the courage to tell Maru he was adopted. Oh, no. <laughs> I hope you can't hear this. Oh, no. Yes. I am your father. Maru. <laughs> Um, yes, I'm not. Uh, we um, Yes. So, guys, so thank you. There is another train coming. Did we actually end the show? I'm no, not, we didn't. I'm not really entirely thank sure. Thank you so much, Matthew. That anything has happened. <laughs> thank you so much. And if you have anything else you want to say to our listeners, really quick before uh, the train comes. Yeah, I mean, those of you that are listening to this, again, I think you really would enjoy the manga "Him, Her, That" by Wizard Ponimit, which I tried to plug earlier, and I don't think I explained who the author is or the manga very well. But uh, if you look it up, I think you'll find it uh, really lovely. Nice. Cool. So everybody uh, check out Him, Her, That. Um, mm-hmm. Where can we find you on uh, On the internet and the information yes. superhighway. <laughs> the information. I'm on Twitter. My handle is at Matthew Chozik. All right, we'll put that down a, in the description. Thank you. And I'm on Instagram uh, at Matthew Underbar Chozik. And can we find pictures and videos of your cat, Maru? Yes, you can. Yes. And, you should and then your website is matthewchosik.com, which we'll also put. Yes. Thank in you. There. I appreciate yeah. it. And also OI books. Oh, yeah. Thank OI you. books. Yep. Yep. That'd be great. We'll link it all. Yeah. You and guys are going to get so much Matthew Chosik in your lives after this. Mm-hmm. Way more than you need. And Maru. <laughs> okay. Guys, thank you. Have a great day, evening. I don't know what time it is over there. Evening time. It's a nighttime. It's a Friday okay. night time. Yeah. That's why there's so many trains. <laughs> there's so many damn trains. <laughs> All those trains are going out to, to drink at bars and mm-hmm. they're being loud. Yeah. Anyways. But so, thank you so okay. much, Matthew. Thank you, Matthew. And you have thank a great you guys. day. I really All appreciate right. it. Hope to chat again sometime soon. Yes, please. Have a great evening. Okay. Anytime. And that's the end of the recording. All right, everyone. That's the end of our show. Yeah. Bye, bye, Matthew. See you later. I hope you come back. <laughs> he's he's leaving on the train. I can see him going away in the distance. Yeah, he's not he's not really waving at us for a long time like a like a happy person. Might. No, <laughs> he's uh 
He's already gone into the 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 dinner cabinet. Mm-hmm. Is that what that's called? Where people eat dinner on a train, a dinner cabinet? That is exactly what it's called, everybody. Yeah, it's it's canon now. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that was wow. Whew. That was good. That was, that was a good interview. That's that some good podcasting. Yeah, not well, by us, but by Matthew. <laughs> that was excellent. <laughs> and uh, there are there are three things that we want you to do at the for the for this podcast. Three actions. Mm-hmm. Because when you listen to something, you need to make it practical in your everyday life. Totally. Um, and the 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 first action that we want you to do is to uh, to tweet Pico Taro. Yeah, um, because we want him to to notice us and matthew said he was going to pass our our <laughs> podcast episodes on to pico taro our, our pico taro fan cast which are our lowest rating yeah podcast that we made the, but the ones we had the most fun making yeah so um and we want him uh, ask him if he wants some milk yeah do you and think you uh, want some milk michael uh no 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 you i wouldn't think, think he wants some mango juice <laughs> no 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 uh, you're trying. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's the What's the next action we want people to take? Uh, we want people to be like Matthew Ooh. and uh, take an action. And I know that sounds redundant that the action we want you to take is to take an action, but literally that's that's what you what we want you to do. He learned Japanese and he got where he was by really putting himself out there. Like he found homestays and knocked on doors and said, let me live with you. Which, yeah, you know, I don't think it's the usual thing to do, but it worked. Yeah, and it sounds like he had a great time living with jazz musicians. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you, and you and I might feel like, oh, it's kind of hard to do and kind of scared. But you know, take take a step and do something that is out of your comfort zone that will help you learn Japanese. Yeah, and I think the other the other takeaway from him, my God, is put yourself in a situation where you're not allowed to fail, mm-hmm. or if you do fail, the consequences are kind of high. <laughs> yeah, and if you do that, you, I mean, what's the worst that'll happen is you'll fail and you'll probably be okay. But yeah, like you'll be alive. Yeah, you, but you're being put in a situation where you know you can you have a higher chance of succeeding because you have to. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And you'll learn a lot of Japanese in that time before you fail. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you won't, and it'll be fine. Yeah, but it'll be a story to tell yeah. your grandmother. Um, and lastly, uh, if, you, if you could help us out by leaving a review, um, that would be great. Mm-hmm. It really does put us up there in the, the old iTunes rankings so that we can show up a little bit higher, and hopefully a little bit more people will hear. But, you know, if you don't, that's okay. <laughs> if, if fewer people hear, it's a little bit, a little bit cooler. So a little bit more hipster. Yeah. We get it. We get it. You don't want to listen to a podcast that everyone's listening to. Yeah. You need to. Well, if you want to find a podcast that no one's listening to, you found the right <laughs> podcast. <laughs> found the right podcast. <laughs> but, uh, but we do appreciate the reviews. We do read yeah, them. Yeah, we do. Uh, just like this review by uh, Omicron8585, who says, <laughs> five stars. Woo. Oh, good. Woo. Someone gave us one star recently. That, was, that was refreshing. Um, I like this podcast a lot. I look forward to it every week. Thank you. Oh, I will thanks. admit there are some goofy ones with weird banter back and forth. Really? Well, you don't I have don't know to admit that. Which no ones he's talking about? <laughs> Nobody's putting you on that chair with no bottom on it and trying to get, get that information out of you. <laughs> you can just tell us. Uh, however, at its core, this podcast has some great educational information and the interview and they interview some cool people. 
I would recommend this for any Japanese learner or anyone interested in Japan. Thank you, Omnicron8585. That was very nice. We also have one more. Yeah, this one is uh, a language learner. Uh, so Ooh. hopefully they like it. But just a language? Yeah, just, just maybe. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully Japanese or their native language, or that too. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they have two languages. I think they did like it because they gave it five stars. They said, "I enjoy this podcast very much. My only critique is that they talk very softly sometimes, oh, no. and it's hard to hear them. That's because we're being sexy, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I turn my volume up, they become loud again, and it's too loud." <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps there's there's a medium volume. Yeah, maybe <laughs> you can put you, it at fifty percent. If you spend a little bit more, you can buy a, a speaker that's not analog. There's <laughs> there's more than two volumes. <laughs> and then he says, "Please be more consistent with your voice level." Ha ha. <laughs> Gotta soak in all the goodness without going deaf. Well, oh, man. learner. Thank you so much for your your review. I really appreciate it. <laughs> no, but seriously. <laughs> yeah, that was a very good one. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll work on that. Yeah. Um, there's a cool feature on the podcast app that I listen to podcasts on called Overcast uh-huh. on iOS. That's called Voice Boost. Mm-hmm. And I think it levels things out and also increases the, the volume of soft things. And I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. So if we, if, we, if we keep talking at different volumes, then... You know, maybe that's a good option. Yeah. Sorry. We'll, we'll work on that. We'll try to speak very consistently. Yes. We'll be more robotic. Yes. So thank you. Thank yeah, you so thank much you. for those reviews. <laughs> I didn't think we talked so long about them, but we appreciate it. Yeah. Them. They're good reviews. I like those. Mm-hmm. I will be more consistent. I'm looking forward to the inside jokes that start appearing inside <laughs> the reviews. Wink, wink. Wink. You guys can do it. All right. Well, that's it. Everyone, go take, go take an action. Mm-hmm. Choose at least one of these. Go take an action and uh, make us proud. Yep, you'll be you'll be our favorite podcast sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you can rub it in the faces of all the other podcast sons and daughters. That's right. Who we're, aren't the favorites? We're comparing you. <laughs> we're <laughs> ruining healthy, your childhood. It's a healthy way to live. Mm-hmm. But you'll you see results. All right. Bye bye everybody. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Oh, my dog joined.